0: What's up, Internet? You're tuned into episode four of We Watch Invincible. We are here to review, funny enough, oh no, it's episode two is the thing, yeah. Yeah. I'm fucking nailing these intros, huh? Just fucking slaying them. Just, you know, like just knocking them up, just fucking knocking (laughs) them down. Setting them up, knocking them down. Anyway, uh, episode two of We Watch Invincible, where we will be here to review episode four of Invincible. Uh, Neil Armstrong, eat your heart out. (laughs) Uh, Of course, I am your host, Mr. Pete and Bessie, number one Invincible fan at the Comics Pals. I am joined this week. That's fair to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I am joined this week, of course, by Sean. Hello, hello. Marco. The Martians are here. If anyone was, if I found out any of us was a Martian, it would be you. Bro, I would believe that.
1: Yeah.
2: Wh- wh- you'd be the Martian. How-
1: <laughs> but I but would be like, you- <laughs> like if I didn't know and someone told me you're Martian, I'd be like, damn, like that makes a lot of makes sense. sense.
0: How would wow. you guys feel if we found out tomorrow that we've never actually known the real Marco? That like since we've been friends with Marco, an alien had replaced him.
1: I think it's funny I'm that surprised. you assume that you do. That's fair. <laughs> now I don't know.
0: <laughs> anyway, Kale's also here. Why? <laughs> I ask myself that question every week, but here we are. So, uh, let's let's jump right into it, right? So, uh, on our last uh, episode of We Watch Invincible, of course, we we dove into the first three episodes of the show. Uh, this is our, our first regular week of just getting the one episode out. Um, so, I wanted to start with uh, kind of something that we had raised at the end of our last conversation, Um I believe it was Sean who who was the first one who said it, where it was that you felt that the show really benefited from you getting those first three episodes because it didn't feel like any one of them, except for maybe the first one, had, you know, quite like that that way, that place you want to end off on, right? Like that that good right cliffhanger moment. Um, I personally thought that the pace worked better for me in this episode. Like I, I felt like it's similarly broken up, but I feel like now that, I'm kind of in the rhythm of it and I have like my bearings about what I should expect out of an episode for, I I left it feeling like it kind of hit the right note for me. How did you guys feel about it?
1: Yeah. uh, That was going to be the first thing that I I was going to bring up was my, my word, one of my worries was also that it wouldn't feel like it would give me enough to come back. But I think this episode did a good job. Uh, I, I didn't feel that, Oh, after the end of it, you know, I'm not gonna need to watch this, or I'm disinterested. It it was actually the opposite, so I, I I'm glad that there's still enough here for me to want to come back to, and that they're sort of building up some really interesting ideas, and again making allusions to the comics where they can. But uh, it, it it was it was fun, and I'm glad that I don't have to worry about that moving forward.
3: Hopefully. How about you, Sean? Um, I I I really would. I think I personally would benefit from watching the show in one clump. I think that the show is, I think it's good. I do. Um, I just wish it breathed more. I mean, think about everything that happened in this episode. Like my man went to Mars, came back. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was so much development with with Omni-Man and, you know, where he's coming from and what's going on with that. Uh, There was development with the mom. There was random things with Robot, random things with the the clone guy. Like, there was just so much.
0: There was the intro, too, that was, like, setting up a new character, seemingly.
3: That, too, which was out of nowhere. I feel like it's doing too much. And that was something that I kind of didn't love about the comic was that it didn't feel like it breathed. Um, And I definitely feel like that with this show. But the dialogue... Um, and the differences as far as like, uh, character choices, the defining Omni-Man a little more and defining, um, I'm sorry, what's the mother's name? Debbie. Debbie. Debbie yeah. Defining Debbie more. Um, those things are offsetting my problems with the show mm-hmm. because I feel like that, that stuff for me is so much better.
0: Sure. Yeah. How about you, Cal? Uh,
2: yeah. I don't know i uh in regards to this question specifically i don't feel like i necessarily had an opinion
0: so so let's let's take it back to the to the top of the episode then so that was um something i've noticed in the last two episodes is like the intro scene generally tends to be kind of like tangential you know like the the first episode opens with us meeting the guardians which is obviously relevant but not quite where you would expect it to start right and then like uh it was the second or third episode was the one where it was like the dad and the son from the first episode and there was the garbage bag and everything so with this we got the introduction of um seemingly two new characters I didn't recognize them and I tried to do some digging to see if they were a nod, and I certainly don't remember them it's this guy um You know who I I don't remember his name, but the guy in the desert who's kind of like overseeing this construction project, and they resurrect like this mummy um, called Cahor. So I I I thought that was interesting. How how is that working for you guys in terms of like the way that the show kind of does apes what the comic does in some ways, where it like it'll lay a thread that you that we don't deal with in this episode. Like, is that wetting your appetite for what's to come, or do you feel? Frustrated by those kind of like out of context jump in points.
1: It's interesting that you didn't recognize the character because I thought it was because I've only made it up to issue 37 in the book. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, maybe within those like extra, I don't know, seven issues, uh, this guy gets introduced. So I welcomed it as like something I'll probably see a little bit later on. So I I would, but I wasn't aware that he's not an actual character so that that's actually pretty interesting
0: yeah i don't think he is like granted you know like i said in our our review like it's been a while since i've reread like the middle of the series so like it's possible it's a minor arc i'm forgetting but um i definitely think that was something fresh
3: i liked it yeah um i thought that that scene itself was cool and it was intriguing it felt like a new character i don't know why um, maybe because it it felt like kind of not in a negative way, but it felt incongruent with everything else that we've seen so far from sure. the series. Um, so I was, I was open on it. I thought it was cool. Um, I really just wish that we could see something like that and then develop it because I'm into it. And then it just doesn't go anywhere for the whole episode. And we know we're only getting, uh, was it four more? Yeah. So, you know, how much time, is there to, to deal with all these threads I'm, I'm worried about that but it could easily stick the landing
0: i i definitely think that there are going to be threads that are left unpulled at the end of this season you know like I, I definitely think that that like they're probably banking on the fact that there's going to be a second season and that like they're gonna lay some some things for us to you know uh, plant some seeds for us to be able to appreciate later um because I, I think that's just like that's, like, so in the DNA of Invincible, and I definitely am glad that they are experimenting with that here because that was something I was kind of questioning how they would bring to, like, a weekly television show just because that's not how TV's t- TV shows tell stories usually, you know? Yeah.
1: Would, would that frustrate you guys in terms of the way that you enjoy Invincible, like, currently, if we did have those threads that were just kind of, like, left untouched because they're hoping on that season two?
3: Depends on what it is. Like, for example, I don't think, I don't expect by any means that they would resolve, you know, Mark's story or his his relationship with his dad. Like, I, I understand that there are things that are going to be held, but I think that, you know, there has to be a healthy balance of resolution and uh, plot thread dangling and new characters like this one we're talking about now. Um, if you want me to care about that and remember that going into a season two, that person, that character has got to do something impactful and has got to matter here in this season, I think. I don't think you can just throw that out there and then not address it again. Not that that's what you were saying, Marco. But Yeah, yeah but that's
0: kind of like the balance it needs to strike, right? Like you want to tease us, you want us to have things to look forward to, but you also don't want to like
3: be threading us along too long yeah yeah there's a fine line between that being exciting and frustrating sure definitely
0: so uh one of the things that you know that i think this episode did a really good job of was was really like giving the main characters a little bit of space like i think this episode granted right every one of these episodes has had a lot of things going on but the vast majority of the the plot and the character work this episode was focused around Mark and his parents, you know, um, to different degrees. And that's something um, that you called out, Sean, that I've really, really been appreciating is I think that um, I definitely feel like these characters have more depth earlier in the story and it doesn't take, like, issues upon issues and years of years of reading for you to get to that point because I feel like Kirkman you know, and and the, the staff working on the show, right, probably have a better idea of who these characters are because he wrote them for 13 years. And, you know, like, that is something that I'm sure it's benefiting from. But, like, specifically with Debbie, I have found both the way that they've made slight changes to her character and Sandra O's performance have really, really made me gravitate towards her. And I love the scenes that focus on her. Um, like, this stuff... You know, I I love that she knows that something's up, right? And that, like, there's this very, very visible tension in their marriage because she knows that Nolan is withholding something from her. And I feel like she – I personally, anyway, am kind of been reading it as, like, she's grappling with the idea that it might be something bad, like, really bad, but that, like, she hasn't let herself go there yet, you know? Um, And especially when she was kind of doing that research on Damien – uh, this episode, like, mm. you can really see the the
3: seeds of doubt have been sown. You know. Yeah. Uh, I I again, I've enjoyed everything they've done with Debbie. I think this has been a revolution for the character. Um, I was, I, <laughs> I had to laugh when she went for the for the for the wine just because that became yeah. such a meme in my mind. Every every issue of the book, she's going for wine. She just always um, has a wine bottle. Yeah, as
0: soon as they had that, and she like looked at it, I was like, uh oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I I gotta say, I was very uncomfortable. Not in a not in like a bad way, but I thought it was good storytelling. But it made me uncomfortable. Uh, some of the scenes between her and Nolan, where he's kind of you know reminding me of like a controlling, dominating man. Yeah. Um, and she's trying to find the way that she can navigate through that and, and how he's changed um, and, but still stand by him while also trying to determine what's going on for herself. And it's been, it's been interesting to watch. And especially when he's trying to advance on her sexually and she's kind of resistant towards that. And his, I I mean, anger towards, you know, about that or, or, you know, frustration Mm -hmm. Uh, it's 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 really deep. And I'm surprised to a degree that they're examining their relationship with that much depth and willing to go there.
0: Yeah, I, I you you called that out, you um, know, in our last episode about the kind of like them playing with this dynamic of him being like this domineering husband and father. Right. And like when that moment hit. And she, like, confronts him about it, and she's like, you know, since his powers developed, like, you've been mean, and you've been a dick, and, you know, you've been talking about home and your family and all this stuff that, like, this side of you I've never seen, you know? And, like, something about that, it just really rung true to me, and it, it felt authentic, you know?
3: Yeah. Um, I, am, I mean, maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I'm struggling with the idea that this i don't feel like this story can go the same way that the comic goes where he's kind of well i mean if you haven't read it i'm sorry but uh where he's spoilers but, right we're in full spoilers right, here right there's an attempt at least i don't know if it happens or not but there's an attempt to redeem him uh you know characters talk about uh oh he's he can't possibly be only this nightmare person like the real him has to be there somewhere Um, I don't feel like this can go that way because in this version, he's doing a lot more gaslighting. He's uh, a lot more domineering. These are aspects of his personality. And she even references, Debbie does that when she met him, he was a dick. It wasn't, she knows that he has changed, but she does say that you know he was a douchebag even back then, and the only reason that he got a second date was because uh, I, he, she saw him saving somebody, she or saw him or save other.
0: kids on the news, and she was like, Oh, he's probably not that bad or whatever,
3: right? But it was always there, so it's mm-hmm. hard for me to reconcile the idea that they could go down that road later. So, I go, no, go ahead, kill, go ahead. I feel like they
2: won't with her, but I could see it with everybody else, people like Art, you know, maybe that maybe that will be, you know, what we see Mark Hamill coming in to do more of Um, and even Mark, you know, uh, but I think, I think we'll see her go down the road of, Oh no, he's always been like this. It was all a lie. Um, You know, I I think we'll see her do a a real hard turn.
1: Yeah. And I think that specifically because of the way that she's been portrayed as like digging and, and like sort of prying at the truth there. Because she knows that something's missing, like that just feels like a natural sort of, uh, uh, just drama moment.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, and I also feel like there's intentional work being done on the part of the writing staff to position this Debbie as different than the Debbie in the books, right? Because like mm-hmm. even today, uh, today in the episode that we watched today, I mean um they have that conflict right where where she's like i'm dealing with things at work or whatever and he's like oh you're the wife of the most powerful man in the world like you shouldn't have to deal with that and she's like fuck you like did you really just say that to me like i'm my own person i have my own life and like the reason that debbie you know crashes and burns in the books is because she isn't and doesn't right like she's Mm. not her own person she's a person who you know like a lot of uh a lot of wives and mothers, right? Like it, their life is, their identity is defined by their family. And when she loses that, she has nothing, right? She has no other, she has no job. She has no other real connections. Um, whereas this Debbie is clearly a different person, right? Like right. she has friends, like she's friends with Olga, right? Like, and you know, maybe not best friends, but she clearly has relationships with people outside of of Nolan and Mark. So it is going to be interesting to see how her character reacts to whatever version of that conflict happens, because I think it is going to be a lot different for her. You know?
3: Yeah. I I hope you guys are right. I would love to see her kind of come out underneath his shadow to this point in the book, from what we've read for our book club, it definitely feels like she's not an actor, not an autonomous person. She's kind of just living at living at the whim of Nolan. And then when he's gone, she's just, you know, Nothing. Um, so for her to strike out and become her own character and have her own relationship to Mark and kind of be a counterbalance to uh, what Nolan is in the show, I think that would be fantastic.
0: Well, and and I feel like that juxtaposition that you called out um... – in the one of the previous three episodes, right, of, like, they have that conversation on the back porch, right, and, like, mm-hmm. you can see, like, the anger and, like, the intenseness that he gets from his dad and, like, the kindness and, like, the mark that people, you know, gravitate towards is what he gets from his mom. And, like, when they have that conflict about him going to Mars, right, well, she's the one, she disagrees with Nolan. She's like, no, like, it's up to you. You need to decide who you're going to be and what your values are, like, mm-hmm. You know, and like that's totally her just straight up going against him in that moment, um, which is something I don't think we would have seen the Debbie f- that we know from the books to do, at least at that stage.
2: But I, yeah. I feel like he, he would have been the character to say that in the books as well.
0: Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You mean Mark? Nolan. Uh, Nolan. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right, Kale. Yeah. Um, so we, we've been talking a lot around Nolan and, and his role in this episode, so let's let's dive into that because I'm, I'm interested uh, in, in a few angles of this. So one thing I wanted to ask you guys is, you know, um, Sean called out that conflict that they had and that Nolan is kind of like engaging in some like gaslighting behaviors, right? Like he is clearly, you know, he's lying about what's going on and he's trying to, to maintain his bond with with Debbie or or at least keep her from figuring out what's going on right so I wanted to kind of raise this question to the room do you guys think there is any sincerity to Nolan's um kind of plea to Debbie in this episode right where she confronts him about how he's how he's been acting and he clearly is stressed out right like he, he says he's stressed and everything and you know, we know that he's carrying this lie and he's spinning a lot of plates and also trying to train Mark and deal with that whole side of things. So it's like, fine, right? Like you can totally see why, even if he feels the same way as he did in the books, like he would, he's got a lot on his plate right now. But the fact that he has that kind of, that moment where i feel like he shows a little bit closer to his chest where he's like i never thought i would have a family and you know like this this changed everything and all that like i i guess i'm wondering like is that difference in nolan alongside the other differences that we've seen going to is it going to lead to it playing out the same way? Like, I imagine the conflict with him and Mark is going to be somewhat similar, right? Like, he's going to confront Mark about it. Mark is going to, you know, not um want to side with his father, and they'll have some kind of conflict. But, like, I'm wondering, is is it going to be, like, a little bit more clandestine than that? Is he going to get an opportunity to try and, like, talk Debbie into it? Like, you know... It, I guess I'm just wondering like why did he say those things today? Is it just because he's trying to cover his ass or is it because there's some truth to that and he is genuinely afraid of losing the life that he's built and that he enjoys?
1: I I think it's a combination of both in that he's deflecting. Um, He's not addressing your questions directly and the the thing that sort of solidified that in my mind was when he's like like let like let's go take a vacation like forget the house forget the stuff like let's let's go do something like for us which is sure a moment for them but also a way for for him to get her away from like literally the the truth within either the house or mm-hmm. just like that that closeness and it was also something that Cecil mentioned like they wanted to get him away because. They they needed that um, that information because there must be something there that she's getting too close to that he wanted to get her away. So I I, I do think that there's a level of sincerity to it, but I think it's also sort of, I think he has other uh, other intentions.
3: Their relationship smacks of domestic violence. Um, I know that the show is not putting out there that that's what he's doing, but um, you know if you. If you make it about those two, right, he transgresses against her. She's upset, so he takes her
0: away uh-huh. to a yeah. you know to a yeah. nice place. Um, and it's a place in their history, right? Like, it's like, right. oh, let's
3: go back to this nice memory. Exactly. He tells her things that are going to make her feel like, oh, he's, you know, he really is still rooted in the man that I love. Uh, he, you know, wants to have a lot of sex now. Overwhelming her with with that request and then getting frustrated when she's not into it like those things are very reminiscent of of that kind of relationship and so while yeah it's probably literally true that his life is different than he thought it would be and his family throws a monkey wrench into his plans that's probably literally true I think um, there's more of it that is about um, just trying to mess with her head mm. because he, you know, it, it matters to him how she perceives him, even though it doesn't matter to him how she perceives him if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. And and I think the thing that I found interesting about it is he has a similar conversation with Mark, where he talks about his his parents and like how when they died he hadn't he was alone in the world and, and all those things. and I'm like, I'm getting these these like smatterings of sincerity mixed in with all of these other, you know, super red flag behaviors, right? Like, um, it's interesting. Like, it, it really, this portrayal of Nolan is one of the things I, I find most interesting about the show is because I really don't know how to read him and how much I can take to the bank from what I know about the character, you know? So... <clears throat> uh. Taking it back to the the mystery of things, um, and, and this does kind of tie into Nolan as well, uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Damien Darkblood and just, like, I love the way they're using him. Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe... Like, he's such a bit character in the book. Like, he has, like, three scenes ever, and they're all making fun of him and how he's got no game. And, like, this Damien's a badass. Like, he's, he's like really, like, making moves and playing cards.
3: Mm. I'm sorry if I'm stating the obvious, but the fact that he's, like, a rip-off combo of Hellboy and Rorschach is yeah. so funny. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. And in the book, it was it felt as though Robert Kirkman was just poking fun at those characters yeah. and how edgy they are. But here, at least, like, the same thing's true to a degree, but he's actually good at what he does rather than just being a loser in the book. And that's been cool. Yeah. I really liked the scene where they sent him back to hell. That was insane. <laughs> Dude, I loved that.
0: And I loved I loved the the bit. Uh, Donald Cecil's right-hand man, I think that he's such a funny minor character because he barely ever talks, but most of his dialogue is funny. And I love where he's just like, oh, what, you're concerned about the demon now? He's alive. He's back in hell. And Donald's like, isn't that worse? Like, Yeah, that was really funny.
3: <laughs> And see, that's the kind of thread that I don't need tugged on for now. Like, if they sure. want to let that marinate and come back to it down the road, that's fine. You know, he's off
0: the board for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to say, too, like, I, I, I found his utilization in this to be really cool. Like, I love that he just straight up threatens Omni-Man, like... And just doesn't give a fuck. Like, that made him immediately seem like a badass, which was cool. Um, But I think even more interesting than that for me is I really love the Cecil angle right now. The fact that Cecil Mm -hmm. knows what happened, but he's like, I'm trying to, like, still put this together and figure out, like, what the play is here. Um, I love that because I feel like he's such a good archetype of that kind of, like, you know... Nick Fury esque spy who's who holds all the cards and is you know pulling the strings, but I like that he's not in control. You know, mm-hmm. like he he's got his pieces that he's playing and trying to figure everything out, but like he clearly realizes that if he makes the wrong move, like it could that could be it. You know, and I feel like that really adds to the drama of the mystery of what's going on with Nolan. I Certainly.
1: I really like that moment. What. I thought was interesting was that he wouldn't, like they wouldn't partner, or he wouldn't be able to use, um, Damien in that way because, uh, assumingly, you know, he he would be feeding that information back, right? Like that would be a good way for him to continue to get information. So I thought it was interesting it took him off the board completely.
0: I think what the the takeaway there was was like he had originally been like fucking whatever eat your heart out go figure it out and then when he gets closer he cecil tells him to stop digging and he kept digging and then okay. he lets nolan know that someone knows you know so like i think he felt like you're overplaying your hand and you're getting in the way of what i'm trying to do now so like i need you to go away
1: okay
3: so this is extremely reminiscent of the boys where uh In the boys, Homelander is the Superman analog, Mm -hmm. and the characters who suspect that there's something really, really wrong with him or that outright are aware of it still have to tread lightly because he can kill anyone that lives, and he can kill everyone that lives. So the presentation of Omni-Man as a character who has to be treated with gloves because of how dangerous he is only serves to underscore the fact that this guy has the potential to end the world. And if he could kill the guardians and he did kill the guardians, then who's around on earth that can stop that. And so you really have to be so careful about the way that you approach this. And they're doing a great job of establishing the danger. Not, not only at home, not only like in his home, how dangerous he is, but into the world. Yeah. And
0: um, I, I really like, and again, I think this is, like, one of those small moments, um, and this is something I think Kirkman does a pretty good job of, of, like, having a character say something small that speaks to their personality in a big way. Because Cecil's like, I need to figure out why he did it, right? He knows he did it, and he's like, I need to figure out why and if I can stop him, or if I need to. Because if he ends up finding out that it's like, oh, he killed him for this reason and it doesn't really matter, then, like, you read into that, right? Cecil wouldn't do anything then. He'd be like, okay. That's cost of business, I guess. Like, fuck. Mm. But, you know, he's not going to act if he doesn't have to. Um, and I, I like that he's, like, an interesting dynamic character in that way because he's kind of unpredictable. You know, he's going to do what he thinks is the most pragmatic thing at any given time. But, like, you know, th- that's hard to, to guess. You know, that's hard to anticipate sometimes. Right. So uh, on the, the note of the ending, I... Um, what did you guys think of that, right? So, like, the the end is after Damien's exercised, uh, we cut to back back in Nolan and Debbie's bedroom, right, where he was in that closet poking around, and they're talking, and Nolan's basically like, oh, Cecil called me and told me, like, they don't suspect me anymore. Like, we're all good. And it's, like, zooming in on the closet, and I replayed it twice to try and figure out what was there, because, like, Damien, like, grunts or something, right? And I, and I was like... He laughs. Yeah, it's like, is he hiding in the closet did he leave something there to like i, I it was, was um i think it was his notebook
1: because if you see like on top of i like towels or something there's like another dark piece yeah of, i think that was his notebook that he maybe because he left that behind he can like still come back or something that's kind of was, what i was thinking yeah yeah i thought that was cool and like for <laughs> it to be in the house like he literally has an ear In and all
0: like on like the pillow talk of the situation. Right. Yeah, because I thought it was interesting because when I first heard their voices and it kind of sounded like that center like you're on a phone kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, did Cecil get a bug in while they were gone or whatever? But then Damien last and I was like, oh shit, like he's doing something. You know, he's got some card up his sleeve here.
1: Hell, don't stop the demon boy. I...
2: I mean, well, I guess I guess it could be if it was his notebook. Uh you know, you have to presume Debbie could find it. Oh, true. Oh yeah, that's a good point. And that could that could be his play, and that was just, you know, his I don't know, hell laughter for the
0: moment. He did threaten mm-hmm. Omni Man with that. He said he's like the truth you can't hide the truth, your wife already has suspects something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, you might be right, Cal. I didn't even
3: see it was a notebook, so that's a good spot, Marco.
0: Were you going to say something, Sean?
3: Uh, I wasn't sure if you guys had more to add to that. I was going to point out something that I thought was interesting. Yeah, we can pivot. Um, it was just the fact that uh, Ryan Otley wrote this episode. Wait, really? Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, my God, I didn't see that.
3: Yeah, he Are was the- shit. Are you sure it wasn't Ryan Ridley? Yeah, I thought it was Ryan Ridley. I'm I'm on the I'm on IMDb right now, and it says Ryan Otley, writer. Holy
1: shit! Because I I remember it saying Ryan Ridley. Yeah.
3: Um, I don't know. Maybe IMDb is wrong, but I'm literally staring at it right now, and it says Ryan Otley wrote the episode. Huh. He got a writing credit for this episode, and he's the huh. only writer credited in this episode, in oh, terms right. of like not Robert Kirkman or, or Corey Walker. They're just getting co-creator credits. He literally got the writer credit.
0: Interesting.
3: Huh. Huh.
0: I'm going to have to dig into that. That's really awesome if that's the case.
3: Yeah. Uh I'll do – I guess I'll look into it a little more now to see if that's true. But uh if it is true, I think that's really cool. And yeah. if it is true, he did a great job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, I'd be super impressed by that. I mean, like, I to my knowledge, he's only ever written – like one thing, and it was like a very like means to an end kind of book. It was um, he did an awesome like kaiju book. It was uh, it's Grizzly Shark versus um, Sea Bear. I think is is the name. Oh yeah, and yeah. And it's like literally just like these fucking crazy monsters just going at it. And It's it's fun, but it's certainly not you know wrought with character moments or anything like that. So, um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if this was him, that's fucking awesome.
3: I just looked it up, and on Wikipedia it says Ryan Ridley.
0: So I don't know. Okay, Mm, so maybe maybe IMDb. Yeah, if
3: you guys saw Ryan Ridley, then there there you go. Um. Well, shout out to him then. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: So the there's a few other moments I kind of wanted to touch on here uh, before we before we wrap. So. Um, something that I thought was, was cool in this, this episode was, um, so they had the, the moment with robot and Rex, uh, play out very similarly, right. Where he takes Rex's blood for, for the clone. Um, and <laughs> I had this moment where I was like, wow, the fact that they do the shot for shot thing so sparingly makes it so much more exciting when it happens. Mm. Um, yeah cuz that got a pop for me and then the the thing where he's on the ship and he eats the tries to bite the frozen sandwich like that's another like <laughs> yeah, shot that like funny. that happens exactly that way in the book and I'm like oh that's awesome like it, I love that it I feel like because it's got this balance of new and old like I'm getting the best of both worlds like the new stuff is surprising and that's fun and the beat for beat stuff is like oh yeah cool like my favorite book adapted um that that's really been working for me as a fan. Like I feel like they've really been striking that balance super well for someone who is like
3: already familiar with the book, you know? And I think that now that we've lived through and are living through the MCU and to a lesser degree what DC's doing, um we are used to that as fans. I think shows and movies that came out in the 2000s Uh, were a lot more scrutinized for the things that they did differently from the comics than they are now. So um, I think that that's great, uh, especially for something like Invincible that has areas that it can be updated. If you look at the book, Mm -hmm. Um, I think that they're doing that in the right way. I can't think of any of the differences so far that have been egregiously bad, or even bad at all. The only one that I remember calling out was was something Kale and I both mentioned was how Omni Man not just outright killing the Guardians kind of weakened him. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I feel like every decision to make changes has been for the better.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and I, I think it's interesting because some of them are like very decidedly different. And then we also talked about there's those more minor cascading changes. And that's been exciting to see play out. Like I think it's really interesting to see that we're getting the beats in the story that are post-nolan in the book and are and we we got to those in the first three a little bit but like the Mars mission right like that's mark's first big at bat as a superhero um and it plays totally differently this time around you know um and and I think that's interesting because I remember in the book club one of the things that that Sean you called out as as something that you really liked about invincible was that like you know we've kind of um We've seen this kind of story before, right? Like, the superhero coming of age and all that stuff. But the idea that he is kind of living in his father's shadow is one of the defining things about Invincible. And it's interesting to see him, like, kind of getting his feet wet and starting his career while his dad is still around and while he isn't, like... He doesn't have that looming over him yet, you know? And it's interesting to see, like, how that is affected some of these beats in in minor and, and non-minor ways. And I'm wondering how far that's going to go. Like how many more of his kind of like earlier missions are we going to get through before we
3: get to the, the conflict with Nolan? I really wish that I felt more connected to Mark's journey as a superhero. Uh, I actually think that the character has been on the back burner in a lot of ways mm. in this series as they take a lot of, or put a lot of effort rather into developing characters who maybe were underserved or need more uh, screen time. Mark, I think has suffered a little bit from them doing that. Uh, in this episode, we do he- see him go to Mars and things like that. And that's fine. But again, it really wasn't, um, I don't know. I didn't think that that adventure was much to write home about. In in this context or in general? Uh in general, I don't I yeah. yeah, I don't I didn't think much of it, unfortunately. Like even the action sequences on Mars weren't terribly impressive. I thought they so, felt a little flat. Yeah, and I thought that there was room there to do cool things, but um that was a sequence that felt like they had to include it to get him out of the episode in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. to get him doing something else and you could see the wheels turning as with respect to why they did it. And that was frustrating. I want to see him do more. You know, that's one of my problems with the comic is that he's not an actor and I need to see that from him here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I felt somewhat similarly about that beat just because it like in the book, that's like one issue and it's like, that works better as a comic beat. Right. And like the most memorable moments of that issue for me um don't play as well in animation um like the scene of him like where it's like oh shit we're getting chased by the whole army we gotta get the fuck out of that's really funny in the book it's like two panels and it's like quick whereas this it's like it's an exaggerated fight scene and he's gotta pick up the thing and it's like it just doesn't really go anywhere you know yeah um but uh the last one i wanted to touch on was was another one of the changes um, that they've kind of doubled down on, and uh, that that I've really been been digging, um, which is another character who I felt wasn't necessarily underserved in the book, but just wasn't as interesting, and that's Amber. Um, mm. I think this version of Amber is like just way more. She has more dimensional dimensions to her. Like the original Amber felt like very much kind of just like a, I don't know, just kind just of like, like a Mark's girlfriend. Yeah, like a girl next door kind of trope. You know, like she's nice, and you know, like. She doesn't have no personality. I don't feel like she's, like, a, a super flat character. But just, like, there's not – I don't know. Like, I don't feel like she, there's as much to grab onto with her. Whereas, like, with this Amber, I already feel like I know more about her than I ever really knew about Amber as a person, right? Like, uh, she has favorite writers, right? Like, I know that she really likes Tanahisi Coates. Like, that's a fact about the character, I can say. She, yeah. you know uh, – is a volunteer right and like is this person who is like thoughtful about the world right and like um the fact that she was the one who planned their date right like shows that she's like this confident you know forward thinking woman right whereas like our the comics amber right like she makes the first move with mark she's certainly not meek or anything like that but it's just not it's not the same right she doesn't have the, the same presence when she's on 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 page as she does on screen
3: once the book gets past the point of her trying to court him she falls off a lot as a character i feel yeah and then it becomes a lot more about her dealing with the fact that she doesn't know where he is all the time and things like that and her panicking versus her having any type of character outside of that and this is this show is definitely changing her for the better. I'm very interested in how they're going to deal with uh, their relationship and whatever's going to happen down the road. Because we know, of course, he will probably end up with um, with Adam Eve in the show. That would be ridiculous if he didn't. Um, how are they going to transition into that? Because for me, one of the things, and, and I don't know how that actually happens in the books, mm-hmm. but I felt like he was kind of like... It would be bad if he, it would turn people off if he broke up with Amber just to get with Adam Eve. Mm-hmm. But if Amber dies or she has a different paramour that she dumps him for, if anything like that happens, it feels like an easy way out. So in the book, I feel like they wrote themselves into a corner with that. And I'm interested to see how they work their way out of it. The show doesn't have to do that. But if it doesn't, how do you get to the Adam Eve of it all? So I'm very curious about that.
0: Yeah, and, like, I, I could easily see it being a thing where they're, like, where she just doesn't want to be a superhero's girlfriend, maybe, you know? And, like, sure. I, I don't know. Like, I I get so much more from this character. I could see her zagging in ways that are just so much more dynamic than what the original Amber, you know, was was capable of doing as a character, you know? Mm. um. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm I was really into this episode. Like I I feel like this this to me was a step for a further step in the right direction, um, and it, it definitely landed for me. So I'm I'm excited, man. I'm excited to keep riding the ride. I've I've really been been digging it, and it's been fun to, you know, get to chat with you guys about it and reread the book and you know go through all this stuff. And like I have like friends who had read the book a long time ago or started it and not gotten into it, who are like reaching out and being like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting back into it and all this shit. So it's, it's been tight, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to jump back into it again next week. And uh, if Absolutely. you guys at home want to let us know what you thought, remember uh, you can hit us up at the comics, at gmail.com. Come join the discord uh, and you can come chat about it in our TV party chat with a bunch of other people or write in. If you want questions for next week's episode, let us know what you thought of the show. Uh, any of that stuff. And then, of course, uh, this will be the first time that I plug the Invincible Book Club, where it is actually live, so you can go listen to our Invincible Book Club, where we uh, read the first thirty-five plus issues of the book and uh, and talked all about it. So, if you haven't checked out the comic, if the show has uh, been your first, you know, um, peek at Invincible, and you want to go check it out, that's a great way to to do it with some friends. Um, yeah, and other than that, we'll be back next week for more. We watch Invincible. Take care, everybody. Take care, guys.
1: Uh, hey, Kale, can you uh, can you take a step back? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, a little more, a little more. Uh, right there, okay. Te invoco a profundis inferni. Ad a corambe. Oh, no! Got that out of the way. You're welcome, everyone. Good fuck. Next week will be so much better.